Welcome to the Sex, Money and Rage podcast. You know, I, I could have immediately come out the gate and charged 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, whatever. But I thought, all right, let's just start it low, get a bunch of people in there as possible, um, get some get some results, get some great reviews, and just start ratcheting up the price bit by bit. So every time I boosted the price, I had to prove it to not only my customers that it was worth more, but myself too, and really see that like, okay, people are getting results, people are happy, you know, they have their their questions answered, the content addresses their problems, all this stuff. So every time that price went up, uh, my confidence went up, and my my excitement about the product went up, and that's contagious, you know. Welcome back to Sex, Money and Rage. I'm your host, Ellie, and thank you for listening. If you want to support the podcast and help it grow, I'll be forever grateful. Just pick the most scandalous episode you can find and send it to three of your friends. You don't even have to explain it. Just share it and watch for their reaction. It really helps to get the word out, especially as this is a new podcast. We're talking about the psychology and the hangups that people have around sex, money and rage. We also talk about psychedelics and nervous system hacks to help you dominate in business and in life because life is more fun when you dominate. Sex, Money and Rage is about living dangerously and it's the provocative business podcast where we talk about anything and everything that's taboo. So if you're easily offended and somehow ended up listening to a podcast about sex, money and rage, you should probably push the pause button right now. Or maybe you should listen. I don't know. Anyway, please enjoy this episode of Sex, Money and Rage. Let's jump in. Hey, Arnie, how are you going? Doing good. How are you? Yeah, doing really good. Thanks. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. For sure. Yeah, excited to see what we can get into. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, how's life for you at the moment? Where are you based? Um, I'm all over. I'm I'm usually in uh, Mexico. Um, been just got back from a big Europe trip. Did uh two months over in Spain and Italy and France and all that. That was that was awesome. And, uh, nice. yeah, back to the, back to the home base in Mexico. Oh, nice. Nice. Mexico is on the top of my list at the moment. Um, I'm actually living down in Peru, so, oh, cool. so kind of nearby. Um, but what, what's yeah. life like in Mexico for you? Um, uh, I like it. It's definitely hot right now. Um, uh, I'm usually in, you know, uh, anywhere near, uh, Monterey or Playa del Carmen or, or other areas. And, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. Definitely hot. So just kind of hang out inside and do work all day and then go out at night. <laughs> cool. Cool. And how long have you been living there for? Um, on and off the last couple of years. So since, uh, since 2017, I was doing the, the, well, still kind of am, uh, doing the digital nomad lifestyle, um, started traveling a bunch, um, and yeah, been, been all over and I always find myself back in Mexico. <laughs> Sounds great. I definitely want to come and visit sometime. So <laughs> cool. So you mentioned, uh, 2017, you jumped into the digital nomad life. What, what prompted that? Um, I had, I had wanted to before that I was actually attempting it more in 2016, um, in just kind of you know, working on my online business, trying to get things going to a, to a, a higher level. And, uh, I had it all planned out mid 2016, I was going to go to Spain and just, you know, 
hop on the laptop and, and get to work in and do it all. But, um, I had a, a massive deal, uh, completely fall through that would have funded all of that for, you know, a year or more, <laughs> but, uh, it didn't happen. So I had to kind of recalibrate and, uh, you know, set myself to new targets. And I found myself out in, uh, Medellin, Colombia in 2017. That was kind of where I, where I kicked off that part of the journey. Oh, cool. Medellin, I've heard great things about. Lots of salsa dancing. <laughs> yes, beautiful, beautiful city. Mm, and so I guess running a business, you'd come across lots of, you know, challenges and obstacles, I guess, with deals falling through and, and stuff like that. How do you pivot, I guess, and sort of adapt to those challenges um, as you've grown your business? Yeah, I think, I think the, biggest, the biggest thing there is speed and support. Um, cause the faster that you can solve problems, the faster you get to, you know, go through that next objective. Like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, uh, the, the Martian with Matt Damon. Um, but he's, he's literally out there trapped on Mars, uh, his spaceship exploded or whatever it is. And he has to figure out how to live on Mars alone until he can figure out how to get back. And what he, what he always said was, if I can solve enough problems, I get to go home. And I think that's such a perfect phrase for entrepreneurs um, and travelers too, <laughs> is if you solve enough problems, you get to, you know, move on to the next stage. So I've always adapted that like, okay, how can I solve problems faster? How can I uh, become more well-equipped? How can I have a team that can help me out and just, just really power through all those, all those problems that pop up and the faster you solve them, the, the better off you are. Yeah, that's so true. I am reading a lot of business books at the moment. And yeah, a lot of them are saying the more you solve problems, the better you're going to do because business is basically relationship building and, and solving problems. So you've gone through that as well. So it's just really interesting. Yeah. A hundred percent. And uh, that was actually one of the things that I love most um, about traveling, especially solo traveling, is uh, it made me become extremely resourceful. You know, because even that, that first trip out in Colombia, I, I knew Spanish okay, but I wasn't totally fluent. But I had to figure everything out. I had to figure out where to go, how to get around, how to do X, Y, and Z, you know, all these different things. And it's on you at the end of the day as the, the traveler to figure it out or else you don't get to go where you want to go. So that's, that's definitely one skill that's helped me out a ton. And I highly recommend anybody get the chance, go solo travel. Yeah, totally agree. I learned so much in the last year. This is my first stint living abroad and doing the digital nomad thing. I don't really feel like a digital nomad, but I guess technically I am. I, uh -huh. I lived in Australia for most of my life until December last year when I was like, okay, I'm going to take the plunge and, and move overseas. So um, I had no plan, no idea what I was doing, but but I have learned so much just from being in the ring and doing it, like you said. So and just like having that fire up your ass, like if I, okay, if I don't sort this out, you know, like I'm going home. So, yep. you know, back to corporate life or whatever. So exactly. We don't want to do that. Exactly. Exactly. So when you said that your deal fell through for the, for the, for the gig you were going to go to Spain for, um, had you already left or were you back in the States or. Yeah. So I was, I was still back in the States. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was like, uh, at the time I was working with a couple of different agencies and helping them sell stuff like websites and mobile apps and, and things like that. 
And that project would have been like a giant multi six figure app that would have given me, you know, probably upwards of 20, 30, 40 grand in commissions, uh, had it gone through, but it didn't. So I had to, uh, uh, restart and reframe a little bit to get, get back on it and, and figure out some other deals. Nice. Well, it looks like you've done really well with it all. So, and, and so I guess the way I connected with you was through, I, I think it's still there, the millennial entrepreneur community, Facebook group. It, uh, it might have a different name now. Yep. So I guess, how did you get started with that? What, what prompted you to start a Facebook group? Yeah. So when, when I was still kind of in that, uh, uh, you know, startup phase of trying to get everything together in, in 2016 and grow everything, I started seeing a lot more, uh, uh, Facebook groups popping up online and opportunities to learn and, and network and connect with people and, um, you know, get clients and all this different stuff. So I started joining all the entrepreneur groups I could. And I started seeing that <clears throat> the owners of these groups had a really cool advantage. They were not only the community leaders, but in many cases, they were the industry leaders. Everybody looked up to them for how to do X, Y, and Z. And often they had, you know, coaching or services or products or whatever to help people with whatever topic. So I, I started seeing all these people just, just absolutely blowing up. And I was like, well, I should give that a shot. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I built, uh, a couple of different Facebook groups. Um, the first four totally failed. And then, uh, uh, the fifth one, the millennial entrepreneur community went on to grow to over 80,000 members. Um, since then I built different businesses, different groups, but, uh, yeah, it took me for a few tries, but I, I figured out the groups thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's classic business. The first idea never really works the way we think it does take, you know, a bunch of times to get it right. And you learn along the way. So is that Facebook group now like a foundation or a networking audience that you use or sort of like as a launch pad into other ventures and things or, or sort of services and offerings? Like how, exactly. how has that sort of worked for you? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing there was, you know, I, I originally launched it with the intention to bring together people like me, um, you know, younger entrepreneurs that are just in the game trying to figure all this stuff out. And so we can figure it out together and, you know, create a network there. And that worked really well. And uh, that also helped me get more clients for, for uh, the agency business that I was doing. Um, and basically it started growing really rapidly and, and being very engaged. And, you know, we got up to 5,000, 10,000 members and people started saying like, Arnie, you're doing something different here. Like, how are you growing this group? How are you keeping it engaged? You know, what, what are you doing to monetize all this? So, uh, I thought, well, obviously people find this valuable and this is back in, you know, 2017. So there weren't, you know, a million Facebook group courses out there. I thought, oh, I want to put something together. See, see if I can, uh, uh, create some, uh, training for people on how they can build their Facebook groups to grow their brands. And, uh, so I launched that and that ended up doing, um, uh, over a quarter million in sales in about the, like less than the first year. So I was like, okay, this is, this is definitely in demand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think it's, it's so cool when you have an idea and you run with it and it, and it starts to get traction and you start to see results and it's really cool. It's a real testament to like, okay, I'm onto something here. <laughs> exactly. And then that just kept rolling into, you know, the, the, the next steps. Um, we ended up launching a software about a year after that. 
um, for group owners that saves the welcome questions and the emails when people join the group. Um, so that, that popped up pretty quickly that, that one's, uh, still going on, still growing. So you, you never know what, what ideas you get can turn into the good ones. You know, I've had plenty of good and bad along the way, but those, those two have been awesome. And I guess starting out, like you probably didn't have the idea of, oh, um, I'm going to build a Facebook group teaching how people how to build Facebook groups uh, before you had your own because you're sort of figuring it out and then you can go, oh, this works. I'm going to branch off into this and teach other people how to set up their Facebook group and be really successful with it. So is that sort of how it worked or? Exactly. You know, you just kind of keep, keep going through the motions and figuring stuff out. And then you start to notice that other people are like having problems with what you're good at naturally or good at figuring out. And that's what can create those offers for those, those other people and help them with the same stuff. Yeah. Cool. I guess it all comes back to creating problems. I mean, <laughs> solving problems for other people. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think the value is in businesses. And, and that's when people can, you know, charge these bigger fees is when they're solving, you know, premium problems, then you can charge a premium price tag. A hundred percent. Yeah. And no, it's, it's been fun. And you know, uh, that, Facebook groups as a whole has gotten so much more attention um, since then and grown a lot. So it just really made everything I was doing uh, uh, even better. Not, not like I had a, a course on how to do Vine videos and then the whole platform blows up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so what do you think made your group successful versus say other people out there who were doing something similar? Um, the, the groups themselves or the programs? Yeah. So I guess both. Um, like what do you think made the millennial entrepreneur community grow so rapidly? And then, yeah, also about the course as well. Yeah. A couple, a couple things. One, one big thing there, and especially anybody listening that has a Facebook group or wants to start one was the group name itself. Um, it wasn't called, you know, Arnie's awesome hangout club because nobody knows me yet until they come in the group. It's called millennial entrepreneur community. So they think, oh, okay, you know, I'm I'm that demographic roughly, or I want to check it out. I'm an entrepreneur and it's a big group. Let's go see what they have going on. So it was a very clickable title and it wasn't overly niched. You know, millennial entrepreneur is very broad. You could be in e-commerce, you could be uh selling donuts on the side of the street, you could be a coach, could be any of that, and and it, it attracted a wide audience, which is a, a a good thing and also sometimes not a good thing because then you got a whole bunch of random people in there and it's harder to serve uh, uh, a more random group versus a more niche group. If that makes sense. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Interesting. And so with the courses, how, I guess, did you go about making sure your Facebook course got in front of the right people, given that the Facebook group had grown so rapidly to so many members, like you said, you know, trying to segment who are the ideal customers? How, how did you manage to go about that? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing there was um, a few pieces. Number one, um, I always tell people the Facebook group is just one part of your marketing ecosystem. You have to build the rest of it. So I was doing uh, uh, Facebook ads. I was doing email. I was doing chatbots. Um, you know, I was doing DMs sometimes. Like all the things to stack the deck to get the most reach, to get the most results. Um, to get in front of as many people as I could and not just rely on social media or not just rely on the Facebook group. Um, 
and that's that's massive it, it just makes the results that much better um number two was uh, uh the most important which is i had a great product that people loved and got results from so they were going through it they're taking action um getting results growing their groups getting clients all this stuff so they naturally want to tell their friends um and we had an affiliate program as well so now they get paid to tell their friends. So awesome. it, it, it all came together really well. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a very smart strategy, layering all those different touch points together uh, for the audience. So, you know, the more somebody comes in, comes in touch with your content, they're going to be reminded and go, oh, I, I want to buy Arnie's thing. He's doing this great stuff in this space. And yeah, I think that's really good advice for other business owners out there to, you know, stack these things together. And, you know, like when they're on their own, there might be say a five out of 10, but when you stack them all together, that's, that's when the magic happens. Exactly. Yeah. That and, uh, some good, good, uh, legit urgency. So like I had many times where, you know, we would increase the price of the program or include extra stuff. If you sign up before X date, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, people, people love urgency, you know, they, it's like, they want something, but they don't want to commit. But if they see something that they don't want to refuse, then they commit. So integrating more of that into the into the marketing helped that that create a lot lot more consistent sales and larger sale amounts. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's sort of like people just need a little push sometimes to go after what they want. <laughs> yep. Nice. And so with all your business background, did you, did you learn mostly from experimenting and building your own businesses or did you go to business school or what was your life like before business? Um, so I, I studied a little bit of business in college, but that was probably like 1% of what I know now, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> My, uh, my first business was a, uh, pedicab business, you know, those three wheel bicycles where you can, you know, take a couple passengers around. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I've, I've seen them. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that out in, uh, my hometown, Seattle, you know, you charge 20 bucks a ride, but as a, uh, you know, as a 19 year old in college, 20 bucks a ride, you feel like a millionaire coming home with a few hundred bucks in your pocket at the end of the day. Um, and that was, that was a blast. So that was my first, uh, first real business. And then, uh, went on to do all types of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think business experience is going to way outweigh anything you're going to learn in college. <laughs> like the sooner you start a business, you just, you figure it out as you go. There's a tendency to want to plan it out and make sure it's all perfect and pristine before you start. But yep. then, but you don't really know what you're getting into until you just start something and, and, and you can navigate as you go. So. Exactly. Exactly. That's the best, best way to do it is just do it, get into it. Some mistakes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And so running a business has lots of challenges. And so what, what are some of the, I guess, harder challenges that you've had to work through or overcome either, either personally in yourself or in your business or yeah, whatever you feel like going into. Yeah. Great question. Um, I think, I think the hard, the hard parts with, with me is, um, I'm not the best at hiring because I want to give everybody a shot. You know, I try and see the good of people, even if it's not the right person for the thing, I might give somebody a shot and see if, see if, uh, see if it can, they can become the right person. Um, 
But over time, when you start to see those, those patterns in myself of wanting to get to a people shot, you become a lot more, uh, uh, tighter about those, those standards, those processes, those, those, uh, types of hires and types of people that you bring into your, your world and your business, both as, as team members and clients. Um, and when you set those new standards, it, it really changes everything. Um, like just, just before we, we hopped on today, I had somebody reach out that wanted, uh, uh, wanted to do some, some coaching with me, wanted some mentorship. And I asked them a couple questions and I thought, no, they're not, they're not right for me right, right now. They, they need to be at a, at a different spot. Um, referred them to somebody else and, uh, referred them to one of my, one of my other products, kind of more of a self-study and, uh, they're going to be in a much better place. But if I said, Oh, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I want to work with you. Let's do it. Let's get started. It wouldn't have been a fit for either one. And it would have been in the pain in the ass for, for everybody, you know? So, and now I don't have to worry about how am I going to solve this person's problems? You know, I know exactly who, who I want to help and how, and keeping those, those standards tight really, really helps. Right. Right. And so when you say they weren't, a good fit, whether it's a client or an employee or whoever, a coach, what are, what are some of the things you're looking for in that situation or looking to avoid if, if that makes sense? Yeah. Well, in, in this specific case, it was somebody who didn't quite know what they wanted yet. Um, they knew they wanted to start a Facebook group. They knew they wanted to start some type of a business, uh, create, create an income stream. Um, and I like knowing myself, I'm a much better consultant than I am a coach. So to me, that means if somebody says, you know, I am Joe, I run a roofing company. I have a group in Texas and I want to sell more roofs. I'll be like, all right, cool. Let's get to work, Joe. But if somebody says, I am Joe, I want to start a Facebook group. I have no idea what I want to do. What do I do? That's not me, you know? Uh, it's very different. I don't want to coach somebody through all of those different steps. But if somebody comes to me with a specific thing that they need help solving, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that specificity of, of having a solid idea of, of what you're after. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh-huh. And so you mentioned how you used to sort of just take on anybody and everybody. And, and now you're a lot more selective. What, what do you think has made you more selective as time's gone on? Um, I think just, just the results of working with the wrong people, both, um, you know, on my team and as clients, if I spotted, let's say a red flag, but I overlooked it and said, all right, let's, let's, let's do it anyways. Uh, and then that red flag bites me in the ass. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, I saw that coming. I should, I should have listened to my own, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's all part of the game is you just, you just, you just get, you know, uh, uh, enough of that experience, enough of those times where even if you think something might happen good or bad until it happens, it's not your full experience. So then you get to take that with you into the next, next challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really all about listening to your gut at the end of the day. And you might be like, Oh, but I can make this much money, but you know, like, will it create more problems than it's going to solve? Or what does your gut say? Is this a good thing or, or not, you know? And yeah, I think, yeah, you, you learn more about how to listen to that and tune into that as time goes on, both in your business and in your personal life. A hundred percent. And everybody kind of figures out, you know, what, what their own criteria is there. 
um, where, you know, in, in my situation, like I said, I'm, I, a much better consultant than I am a coach, but, uh, I referred this person to my friend who is a coach who coached me in the past on some of the same stuff that this, this person needed help with. So it's not, not going to be the same for everybody that, that person, Oh, that's that perfect. I, I, I got this covered, yeah. you know? So that's amazing. That's, that's what it's about. And I think that's a really cool thing about having, of having a business network that you can reach out to and say, look, you know, this isn't the right timing for me right now, but I do have this other person that I can reach out to. Then it's a win for the customer. And then it's also a win for your other coaching friend because, because then they get a client out of it. So, so it's like this, this shuffling around of things. It's like a win, 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 you know, you have more time to do the things you want to do. And then this other person benefits. So, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's a plan. And uh, I, I love that about Facebook too, is I, I built such a, a cool network of people, mostly from Facebook and, you know, mostly from, uh, my groups and, and other groups that I'm a part of other, other masterminds, coaching groups, stuff like that. And, uh, just all the cool people are there. If you want to go and find them. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I've been, I've been finding that I've been doing a lot of research into getting podcast guests and just reaching out to different people that, that inspire me and that I think would be really good guests. And the response has just totally blown me away, mm-hmm. like a lot more than I thought I would get. So, yeah. I mean, that's been really positive, which yeah. is super cool. So there's a lot of cool people out there. That's for sure. Is this your, your first podcast? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I had a a Twitch channel actually, uh, that I was running last year and and the year before. So I'm not totally fresh faced to like speaking and stuff, but podcasting totally new. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's fun. I I definitely recommend everybody start a podcast at least once. And, um, uh, I think, I think the coolest thing when I, when I started my first podcast was I had no idea that I would build such an awesome network. And like within a year or two, do business with like half of my guests in one way or another. Um, it's, it's crazy. You never know. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like business just comes back to relationship building and, and connecting with different people in different industries. Cause we all, I mean, we all learn from each other. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, so you've got your own podcast you were, you were mentioning. Yes. So I, the first one I started was um, I actually started right before the Millennial Entrepreneur Facebook group, Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast. Um, gone through a couple of rebrands over the years, and uh, uh, as of more recently, I uh, rebranded it to uh, it's called Attempt at Greatness. Um, short, like anywhere from three to seven minute or so episodes, um, almost daily. And uh, just kind of sharing what what I'm finding works for me and other people and observations on what people are doing to uh, uh, become great and attempt greatness and in, in different things that they're up to. So that's been a lot of fun. And um, uh, I'm going to just keep keep pumping those out. You know, I got nothing to sell over there. It's really just a, a way to help people, inspire people and help them find new ways to go after what they're going after. So that's been, that's been a, a fun show so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I listened to a couple actually while I was listening, while I was researching for the podcast and yeah, it, it's a really cool idea doing short, you know, five, five, 10 minute podcast episodes for people to listen to uh, of just different things you've learned. It's, it's cool. It's, it's a way to connect, a way to learn and, and doing it every day is a really cool idea. Yeah. 
Exactly. And when it, when it's, uh, you know, that, that short, my recording sessions, I'll usually record like three to five or sometimes even more if I'm inspired just in one setting and you can knock them out and, you know, five minutes each. Cool. I got a, I got a whole week's content in, you know, less than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I love, I love that idea of batching tasks together. Uh-huh. It, it works for my efficient mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask as well about, I guess, some of the mindset blocks you might have had around money. I don't know. Maybe you've had none. Maybe you've had lots. But yeah, just some of the mindset blocks, I guess, like as a business owner, you know, you've got to sit down and go like, what am I selling and how much am I going to charge for it? And and what value am I providing? Did you find as you were creating, you know, products and services, did you have these kind of limiting money beliefs come up or, or money mindset challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, I think a little bit kind of on, on two layers there. One is like the the personal income layer. And the other one, like you said, kind of more around um, uh, products and pricing and stuff like that. And like, even when I launched that first uh, uh, Facebook training, uh, Facebook group training back in 2017, um, I I launched the whole training. It was only a few lessons at the at the start, but I sold that for thirty seven dollars. Uh, you know, they get a free group growth cheat sheet, and then uh, the upsell. Well, not even upsell. They didn't buy anything yet, but uh, the offer there was uh, uh, thirty seven dollars and a handful of lessons on um, uh, engagement and Facebook groups and all kinds of stuff. So even by starting very low. Um, you know, I, I could have immediately come out the gate and charged 500 bucks, thousand bucks, whatever. But I thought, all right, let's just start it low, get a bunch of people in there as possible. Um, get some, get some results, get some great reviews and just start ratcheting up the price bit by bit. So every time I boosted the price, I had to prove it to not only my customers that it was worth more, but myself too, and really see the like, okay, people are getting results. People are happy. You know, they have their, their questions answered. The content addresses their problems, all this stuff. So every time that price went up, uh, my confidence went up and my, my excitement about the product went up and that's contagious. You know, if I just jumped straight to a higher price without having that confidence or those results, it wouldn't have worked as well. Um, so that that was one big thing that that helped me out a lot uh, there, and on the other side of the the money mindset, the the personal income. I remember when I I finally started getting to about um, you know ten twenty k months or so, and um, I was talking to a, to a friend, and he was basically saying, Arnie, you, you should be doing like. 50 to hundred K plus like you're a boss. You got to figure this out. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but it's something like resisting that like, Oh, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, have a good life, live, you know, make 10, 20 grand a month, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just, just excuses, just mindset bullshit, you know? And, uh, he just, he called me out. He's like, Hey, you're a boss. Step your game up. Like this, you, you didn't just get in this game and just get by and and you know live an okay life and travel. You know you 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 got in this game to really do it bigger, and I know you can. So you got to step your game up. So that was that was the big challenge there, because I, I often find a lot of people they hit a uh, uh, it's funny like a six figure comfort zone, right? Where let's say on average most people uh, might make five grand a month, uh, just, just general average. Um, 
And when they start making, let's say, 8, 10, 15, um, they now have double or triple the income that they have before, and they feel on top of the freaking world. You know, They're used to X amount of baseline expenses in their life, and now all that worry just went away. Now they can go do the extra trips that they've always wanted to do. Now they can upgrade their car. They can you know, do all this extra stuff that they couldn't do before, and it gets really comfortable, you know, staying at that level, you still feel on top of the world, but there's a whole nother world waiting for you when you, when you do the work to push past that too. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess when you're talking about going from, from say 10 to 20 grand a month to 50 to a hundred grand a month, as your friend was saying, um, were there, were there any tools or what helped you get there to that next level in a mental sense, I guess, like, how did you push yourself beyond your financial comfort zone? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest, the biggest things there was, um, kind of like you said before of solving bigger problems where, um, you know, I've, I've had six figure months where I was only working with three or four clients. And I've had six figure months when I'm working with, you know, hundreds and low ticket, uh, uh, lower ticket programs and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think the, the, the biggest push there was really kind of, um, putting a few of those things together at the same time, like, okay, I might have X amount of revenue from the lower ticket and then X amount from the higher or this business over here doing this. And then this business over here doing that with separate teams and separate products and all this stuff. Um, so it really came more down to like the, the wider view of how do you build your empire with a few different things going on? Um, right. Like different was, revenue streams or income streams or exactly. Yeah. Having, having different businesses that you have, you know, ownership of or, or investments paying out or, um, you know, different products within the same business, that type of thing. So that's, that's what really kind of created a lot more of the, the scale and also stability. Cause if one slows down, um, you know, and you only have one business, well, that sucks. There goes your income, you know? Uh, but if you have multiple things going on, one could slow down. The other ones can be doing fine or one's doing awesome and you're doing good, you know? So that, that was kind of the big shift I made in the last couple of years is going from, you know, just focused on the Facebook groups business to, um, you know, adding more businesses, adding more investments, um, and just, just expanding past what I was comfortable doing and, and getting into some new, new arenas, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love what you said just then about getting past the comfort zone <laughs> and stepping into bigger businesses and bigger income streams. Like it's not, it's not always going to feel comfortable. It's not always meant to be comfortable, you know, or easy even. There's there's going to be resistance and fear. And I think when you accept that and go, you know, this is just part of the process, then it makes it a lot easier to manage because you're expecting it. Yeah. No, that's always fun. Like my, my personality type too is just like, uh, I'm very calm when problems come up and I'm very analytical. So I just kind of get to like, all right, let's think about it. What are we going to do? Okay, let's handle it. You know, I, I enjoy that. I'll be so bored if I was in a job, they would fire me. I'd be, I just sitting there picking my nose all day. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I, I look at my life right now and I think, I don't know if I could ever go back and get a job, like a regular job. Yeah. It's just one of the exciting things about business is because, because there's always so much going on. It, it's always interesting. And, and it's like you solve one problem and then there's another problem in its place. And 
and it, and it's always pushing you to do more and to, and to grow as a person, which I really love. Yeah. Best personal development course out there. It shines, shines a light on all of your strengths and all of your weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And so when you talk about diversification and having different businesses, how, how do you find you manage all of them and, and keep an eye on things? Cause I imagine it could, it could blow out where, where, you know, it's hard to keep an eye on everything, you know, constantly. What, what sort of systems and processes do you have in place? Yeah. I think the biggest things there is your, your partners and your team. Um, for example, like, like my software company group funnels, um, it doesn't need a lot of my attention because we've already put in a lot of the groundwork on it, but we have an amazing team that whenever customers have problems, they respond to them. Um, whenever, you know, we need a slight technical update, developer handles it. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do a million meetings. We don't have to talk every day. We just kind of handle business and, and, you know, the, the software takes care of our customers for us for the most part. So and in, in other stuff, it's, you know, more about the operational, uh, partners. Like for example, uh, I invest in a couple of real estate deals down in, in Florida and, um, those are in the works right now. One of them is already up and, and existing and cash flowing. And I don't know anything about, you know, uh, uh, Airbnbs outside of how to find a good one when I'm renting and traveling, but that property is going to be listed out for, for Airbnb. And the other one is an active beach club where we actually held our last event at. I don't know anything about running a beach club, but our partners over there do. So really, really kind of leaning on the expertise of the other people in the, in the deal and in the partnership can be a massive, massive, uh, gift when they know what they're doing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a really, really good point about, about leveraging different people again, in different industries as well. And, and even having different businesses in different industries, like in real estate and in investing and in Facebook groups to, to spread that risk. And then it's like, not only having different income streams, but having different businesses and industries that you're deriving those income streams from because every industry fluctuates at, at different times and at different rates. So. Exactly. Yeah. So really, really kind of, you know, better diversifying and, um, uh, you know, going from, uh, just focusing more, more on one business to getting into other deals and investments. It's, it's tough, but it's absolutely necessary, you know, having that diversification and, you know, what if, what if I get completely kicked off of Facebook? Well, I would suck. I would definitely lose some business because I get a lot of business on Facebook, but I'd be okay because I got other stuff in motion. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're, you mentioned earlier that you're collecting email addresses when people sign up to your Facebook group. So you've got that list of emails of people that you can reach out in the event that say your Facebook did get shut down. So it's, you know, seeing the risks and, and managing them, which is really smart. So Exactly. Yeah. Gotta, gotta stay ahead of that. Cause you know, we, we, we hear about that, you know, every day people getting kicked off Facebook for making the wrong post or, uh, their ad account gets shut down and now they can't pay even pay to advertise. Like that happened to me a couple of years ago. I, this is after spending six figures on Facebook ads with that account. They shut me down with no recourse. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I couldn't what? even talk to a person. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And there was no like recourse or appeal process that you could go through or. Oh, recourse. Everything I tried just, just got shut down and 
blocked out. Um, and that was for the for running the same ads that I had been running that whole year. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's wild that they can do that. I actually had my Google ads account shut down so I can understand the pain, although I didn't spend six figures, but, but yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like why they shut down these accounts in some cases, mm-hmm. like in some cases, obviously it's justified, but yeah, it's, it's bizarre that they would shut you down after running the same ads. Yep. Uh, that sucks, but yeah, there's always, always ways to play defense. That's for sure. Totally, totally. And I think you make a really good point of, of seeing that ahead of time and putting preventative measures in place so that, so that you have fail safes, I guess, in case that does happen. It's like, yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I actually got a, a really good exercise. I think anybody listening, you know, one, one takeaway exercise you guys could do, I call it the shit fan map. You know, when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> what do you do? And it's, it's something yeah, that I've right. done in, in all of my businesses at one point or another, or, or even just sub projects or, or events that I host and stuff like that. We look at all of the possible problems, um, and, and write them out and then start writing out, okay, what causes that problem? Okay. What could be a solution to that problem? Like, like one I have, you know, it talks about, uh, um, uh, softwares, you know, what happens if my payment processing software kicks me out? Uh, what happens if it gets shut down? What happens if I can't send emails? Um, you know, what could cause that? What are the alternatives? What are the solutions? And when you kind of take that time to get ahead of it, when something happens like that, now you already have a plan. You're not scrambling like, well, now I can't even take people's credit cards when they want to pay me. You're like, Oh no, it's all good. We have a backup processor. It's already set up. Um, we'll just switch over to that for now. We're going to get another one fixed and you just, you just keep moving. Mm, that's really, really smart advice. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. For sure. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 And I guess hopefully not every single one of those things is going to go down at the same time, you know, yeah. you know, you're not going to get Facebook down and email down and hosting down like yeah. all at once, you know? And I think, I think too, it would give you, um, like be able to relax more into business, knowing that you have these measures in place because business can be really stressful, you know, to, so to have this plan in place must really help. So like you said, if shit hits the fan, you know, you know, you've got it sorted. Yeah. And to talk of, talk about the worst case stuff before it comes up. Cause you know, that'd be the worst, you know, imagine if, um, you know, you buy, you buy a house in Florida, you don't know anything about Florida then a hurricane comes. You're like, holy shit. I didn't know there was hurricanes. Like this is Florida. Of course there's hurricanes. You, you should have been a little bit more prepared, read up a little bit, but anybody born there has lived through plenty of them. And when, when I lived there for a little while, yeah, it's like, yeah, you gotta, gotta stock up some extra food and water and be prepared. Just in case. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Have, have a backup plan in place. And so I, you mentioned that you're moving into the more in the investing side of things. I know I've seen a bit of your posts on Facebook and different things about Insider Investors Club, I think it's called. Yep. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So that one, I started with uh, a couple of partners uh, last year. And basically we were doing some of these, these investment deals, um, real estate, buying franchises, stuff like that. And a lot of people saw like, Hey, how do I get in on those, on those deals? Like, how are you finding these? Uh, Arnie, you don't know anything about, you know, donut franchises. How did you guys just get into this? And, you know, as more people were asking, we thought, well, this could be a cool opportunity to, you know, not only 
bring people in on the same deals that we do, but create a, a, a real business out of it and, and add some education, add some events, add some more stuff to it to help people become smarter investors too. Um, so we started that and, uh, grew pretty quickly. We've, we've hosted over, I think over five events now, we're just planning our, our next one. And, uh, yeah, working on some, uh, some big deals. We always try and put our events at where we do our investments. Like the, uh, the last event we did was out in, uh, Florida. We bought a, that, that beach club. So it's beach club big property. And, um, we bought that together and we were able to host our, our event at the same property, which is really cool. Um, that is cool. So yeah. That, is that the one that had space to do like your own development down the track? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a beach club, uh, included that property, the, the beach club business, which has, uh, close to a thousand members paying every month. Um, and across the street is two gigantic parking lots that we're going to be looking at developing into short-term rental housing. So it'd be a really, really solid one when it's all, all said and done. Yeah, that's cool. And so how does it work, I guess, from a member's point of view? Do they like have an ownership stake in the property or what's sort of the financial structure? Yeah, so basically there's, there's two sides of it. One is you pay for a membership into the club. That includes, you know, all the events, all the, all the education and training and that kind of thing. And from there, you can decide whether or not to go into any of the deals. Um, and you know, it's not required that you have to invest, but that's why most people are there. Um, and, uh, every deal has different, uh, minimums and maximums, usually 25 K and up minimum for each deal. Um, and just depends on, you know, how much each, each project needs. Um, then we fill it up once all, all filled up and we're all good to go. We can move forward on the deal together. Wow. So I guess that's basically equity funded. If everyone's putting their money in, then you wouldn't need to go and get like a mortgage or a loan from the bank. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's how we can syndicate those deals and, um, just get, get everybody in on the same deals that we're already doing and coming with you know, better buying power and negotiating power for everybody. Yeah. Amazing. And I imagine too, in addition to having this incredible group of investors that want to get together and make money, you've also got this, you know, high quality network of people from all different industries and all different backgrounds and ages and walks of life. So you just keep growing this incredible relationships with people from, I'm guessing all around the world. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's a really, really solid network. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to think we, we only got started, um, you know, over, over a year ago, um, and we were able to do so much, so much stuff already buy franchises, buy, buy all kinds of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting projects. That's cool. It sounds awesome. Very, very exciting. And so what's next for Arnie? What's, what's sort of coming up in the pipeline for you going, going forward? What's next? Um, <laughs> one, one, one thing I've been excited about is, um, uh, so I, I love travel. Um, you guys might've been able to guess with all my, my international <laughs> roaming, but, um, yes, travel's awesome. <laughs> I put out a post a while ago and I said, Hey, you know, I'm really looking forward to doing some more traveling next year. Uh, you know what I love more than traveling, traveling with friends. So if anybody, you know, wants to, to get together or do group trips or, 
um, you know, everybody can, can come out to some cool exotic new places, you know, let me know if you're interested. And, um, we're already looking at potentially doing a, a Cuba trip, um, Brazil, Peru, um, bouncing, bouncing all over. So, um, I think that that'll be a lot of fun for, for next year. You know, I've, I've traveled a bunch of places, but I always love going places new. Yeah. Nice. And will it be more of like a social trip where you sort of do some work and have some fun or will it be more of like a pure business trip or. Yeah, de- definitely more of a social trip. Kind of like, um, uh, probably more, more invite only, you know, friends and clients and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, small groups, this isn't like big conference, probably like 10 to 20 people per, per trip. And then we'll just organize some other group activities and dinners and, you know, stay at the same hotel or Airbnb block or whatever it is. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's, it's cool because I think that, Building a business can be, you know, isolating at times. And so to have, you know, trips and travels and things in place with other people, especially business owners, um, it's a really cool idea to, to stay connected and keep those relationships going. Definitely. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I miss. Like, like I love, I love traveling, loving living internationally, but, um, you know, there's, there's not as many of the entrepreneurs, at least in my network, uh, abroad. So I got to go and see them. But now it's my turn to invite them out and come see me. Yeah, nice. That sounds like a good idea. Good, good collaboration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Well, we are almost on time. Was there anything else you wanted to sort of chat about before before we wrap up? Um, not really. And do you have any other follow up questions from from what we chatted so far? Um, no, I think you covered everything really well. Um, yeah, it's been awesome chatting. So. And just hearing about, you know, the different ways that you've, you've leveled up in business. And I, I really liked what you said about the pricing, you know, starting small and then getting a bit of confidence, a bit of traction, some, some feedback from customers and then going to the next level and then going to the next level. You know, I think sometimes as business owners, we think, oh, I've, I've got to go right to the top, you know, straight away. And sometimes it's about building that confidence bit by bit and just always pushing forward, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's a million, million problems solved, a million little steps. And what do you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always interesting to see how far you've come when you look back. I think when you're in the middle of it or looking forward, it's easy to feel, you know, daunted and you know, what am I doing? And then you get to a point and you're like, Oh, Oh, it all makes sense now. And it all had to happen that way. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Well, thank you, Arnie, so much for coming on the podcast today. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, I'd say best best places is uh, check me out on Facebook, Arnie Giske, A-R-N-E-G-I-S-K-E. Uh, add me as a friend. And especially if you have any, any questions about what I talked about, feel free to hit me up. Um, and uh, if you're curious about any of the investing stuff, we're over at insiderinvestors.com. And uh, happy to help you out with any any questions over there as well and see see how we can help. Amazing. I love all the things. <laughs> Sounds super interesting. Yeah. For sure. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been, been fun chatting. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Thanks, Ani. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening. Before you go, please go and find the most outrageous, scandalous episode on sex, money and rage and send it to three of your friends. It just helps get the word out about the podcast as it's new and also pleases all the podcast gods who decide the fate of the future. So (laughs) thanks. Have a great week. I'll catch you next time.